Ready? Hello and welcome to Rhythm and Pixels, a video game music podcast. This is episode 29-8 and we are your hosts. My name is Rob Nichols. And I'm not sure what episode this is. Uh, 29-8, right? <laughs> I'm just messing oh, okay. You were confused too. I'm like, honestly, I never track. I learned what episode it is, but you go, this is a such and such episode. Pretty <laughs> you go. No, I, well, um, I was waiting for Yoshi to make his little noise. Ah, yeah, whoopper. Um, every week we listen to great video game music of all consoles and all generations. Um, all of this, uh, this is the end of the summer, right? The end of the summer. It's, I'm not sure if I'm happy or sad about it, to be honest yeah, with you. We've had two things going on. We've had the summer of 16-bit. So all of our episodes have been 16-bit related. Um, and then also the Summer Games Challenge. How many games can you complete in the summer? And Not that, necessarily 16-bit, just games you want to finish. And you were saying this is great because it's encouraging people to go out there, go through their backlog, maybe games they haven't finished yet or games they've always wanted to, and just not chase the new game that just came out mm-hmm. and enjoy what you have. And I think everyone's embraced that. And I honestly, even in my case, I had like a bit of a mixed bag on embracing it because as you know, like, you know, I do reviews for SML mm-hmm. and Hey Poor Player sometimes. And uh, what ends up happening as a result is that I might go, I'm going to play these old games. Here's a list of games I'm going to play. And then it's like, want to review this game? I'm like, sure. <laughs> I take it. So now we're reviewing a new game. And I'm still trying to play the old game. And eventually there's some rollover. And next thing you know, what do you know? There's no time. Um, but with that said, I still had a plan. Mm-hmm. That plan fell apart. Oh, okay. But I still managed to come out better than I expected. So I guess the best way to describe how I ended up doing on this was I was disappointed in how I did, but also happily surprised by how well I did. Mm. So, and I'm glad that folks were coming in onto it because like initially, like it seemed like there was no one really talking about it. It was like me and like Chris Murray. And then uh, Mike Mike Myers got like way into it yeah, like, he with, did. with the with the classic gaming, which is really fun to see. He knocked out Midnight Resistance, which is a game yes. I haven't seen anyone else play before <clears throat> no, besides no. me. That's super. Oh, an amazing soundtrack on that game. Yes, it That's is super cool, super super cool. And um, who else was getting in that thing, man? Um, uh, Rage Cage. Rage Cage. Rage Cage. I love that. You can call me Rage. And you can call, call me Cage. Cage. <laughs> I love that. But uh, like Rage Cage was into it. Game Fan 44 got into mm. it. Mebry got into it. Yeah. Like, people were getting down. And I love to see it. Like, I know I'm not the best at keeping up with all the chatter and stuff, but I can honestly say that when I would see like people in the chat, that group being like, I just beat this list of games. I'm like, oh my God, you beat the game. This is great. Tell me, did you think of it? What'd you think of it? And believe it or not, an unexpected love popped up from two different people. The game Forger. Apparently oh. I mentioned it like, yeah. like maybe 10, 10 episodes or so ago. Mm. And I know at least one of them started playing it specifically because of the mentioning on the show. I'm not sure if the other person did too, mm-hmm. but... I thought it was cool to hear people like, yeah, I started playing Forger. This game is crack. I'm like, I know it's crack. <laughs> like, it's a clicker. Like, I know it's a clicker. Like, I didn't even expect it to be one. But by the time it, I realized it, it was too late. I was hooked. And it works. Um, but, oh, no, I just, I really get a kick out of it. Because, I mean, I was going to say this to the end of the episode, but it's worth stating it now. We do a show about video game music, and that's fantastic. I love VGM. Mm-hmm. It's probably one of the biggest aspects of like my general life, like as far as like entertainment and like what I like to gush about or whatever. But 
we can't forget, and I feel like in a lot of ways within this community, we do hmm. forget that video game music is composed for video games. And the video game experience is a large part of what makes the video game track what it actually is. Mm. Like, it's one thing to say, if I were to come on here and go, here's this track from this game or whatever, you know, and people's like, this sounds good, you know? But it's another thing if I say, this is a track from this game. Now, here's what it was like. Here's how I played it. This is the whole shtick. Same for people who would listen to it. If they've played a game that we're picking Mm. tracks from, it resonates with them a lot more immediately, yeah. specifically because of it. It's interesting. Um, when we play music on this podcast, we are definitely, if you're just listening to the music, which I do 99% of the time <laughs> for this show. Mm-hmm. And so, like, no shade to anybody out there oh, for <laughs> who's, sure. who's just enjoying the music for what it is, especially during the, um, the, the 16-bit era in the, in the 90s and the early 2000s, because... It was just composed in a, in a different way, mm-hmm. um, but like we're disassociating um, the 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 media, the gameplay element from the the music. Mm-hmm. And you're right; the music was composed. Like it's like you can enjoy a soundtrack to the movie on its own. Yes, but it was written in the context of drama and action and comedy mm-hmm. and all these other elements, these visual elements that are going on. Uh, the game music is the same way. Music I chose is a little different today. <laughs> Uh oh. Also, I should clarify, but hold that thought. Okay. I also want to state that even though I said what I said, I'm in the same boat of, as Rob is in the sense that there's no disparity for folks who just listen to music. Oh, sure. As music. Sure, yeah. I mean, I'm in the same boat because when you lay it on the table, we don't have enough time in the friggin' world mm-hmm. to play a fraction of the games that are rolling out now, so let alone in the past. In the library of, of the history of games itself that are, that are amazing. I, I'm just never going to get through yeah. or, or have that, that shared history, that shared nostalgia of that history with everybody else. And as a result, that shouldn't mean that mm-hmm. that music has to languish back into with games that we don't have time yeah, for. Yeah. You know, But it's just a matter of saying, if you can, do. But if you can't, just jam. Mm-hmm. It's all great. Um, yeah, so I do listen to a lot of just straight music for the show where I'm like, okay, we're doing this topic. We're getting into this and I feel a little bit behind you. And so when we do, um, topics of like the anime topics, I was like, great, this is perfect because I'm just going to listen to soundtracks and it's not, you're going to be like, oh, I remember this game. I played this game. (laughs) You just, you look through your, you look through your brain. So it's like, we're finally on the same footing. Yes. Um, okay. So we're going to listen to music from games you've completed in the summer. But that's where it's going to get interesting because originally right. it was going to be games that we completed the summer. Well, my challenge was, I think, so many. And then it changed to just finishing Persona 5 <laughs> in the summer of 2021. <laughs> it's, keep in mind, for those no, listening, no. he was already halfway through when Month, it started. Months ago, I've realized this isn't going to happen. So I need to finish Persona 5 before 2022. <laughs> And I am going to talk about... I'm starting this episode. It's even even numbered episode. Um, I'm going to talk about the games that I did play. And a lot of these I did finish. But for some reason, I didn't count. Because what I fell in love with was the Capcom Arcade Stadium that oh! came out on the PS4. So you were knocking a bunch of those games out. I mean, if I wasn't knocking them out completely, I was playing the heck out of them. And this is some classic arcade Capcom music. So we're getting into some like super jazzy, proggy, like fake synthesizer guitar this is some really good music so that, that's what i'm getting into so i'm gonna talk about this stuff <laughs> okay i like that because i've been this whole time building up to this i've been like 
What is Rob going to choose tracks? Because yeah. originally I was like, he's going to pick tracks. It's going to be, he's going to be Persona Five, maybe. I was thinking and it'll about be it. all Persona Five, but then you didn't finish yeah. that. So I was like, what is he going to pl- do today? I, mean, I've already, I feel like I've already done that. And I was like, I was going to play around with maybe I'll just play uh, games that I intended to play or games that I've been wanting to. But I, I feel like I've already done that in the past. So these are games that I've actually played when, when in my mind. I should have been playing Persona 5. <laughs> that feels like work. So I'm like, no, I'm just going to play Tetris again. Screw all that. I'm going to play Tetris and then DDR. Here, here. All right. So um, my first track is going to come from the game Powered Gear Strategic Variant Armor Equipment. This is a Japanese-only arcade game. And what a name. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think it's Japanese-only. It had a, a spinoff fighting game using like the same similar sprites and stuff. It's really cool. Uh, giant mecha robots in a... Um, it in wasn't Techromancer, was it? No, it wasn't. Okay. Uh, uh, no, it was definitely not Techromancer because that wasn't on the... Because um, the fighting game is included in the thing. Oh, okay. I just never got into it. I was just having fun with the beat-em-ups. So I was like, this is this is awesome. So Powered Gear for the arcade composed by the Capcom sound team Alf Layla credited as Anashi Takapon. And there's like 50 people on this team so we don't know who composed what on the official soundtrack. We're going to listen to the track Starry Ocean. This is Starry Ocean from the game Powered Gear or um, Armored Gear, Strategic Variant Armor Equipment uh, for the arcade composed by the Capcom sound team Alpha Lila, uh, credited as Anashi Takapon in the credits. This is a banger, man. This game is crazy. So you think of beat-em-ups as like big hulking people and you mash the button to do combos and knock people out. But Mm. this one is big, giant robots and they're all very, very different. And you're fighting giant robots at the same time. But, like, they take up most of the screen. And as you knock them down, like, you knock off, like, their guns or their arms and stuff. And you actually pick them up, attach them to your robot, and, then, and they act as power-ups. Now, does the visual, like, layout of this resemble that, like, King of the Monsters game that existed a ways back? Oh, no, no, no. It's more like it's more like Final Fight style, like, left oh, to so right. Also, still left to right. It's still left to right with big boss battles that are really, really fun. But the um the, the the sprites themselves are composed of like multiple sprites, so it's like they all kind of move individually of each other. It's like the arm is its own element. Yeah, exactly. So it's got some really interesting visual um, animation style, and especially because you can pick up other enemies' items, and it's not just like one. You can pick up like one guy's one guy drops like a missile launcher, another guy drops like a laser sword, and suddenly you have both. Oh, you that know? sounds cool. And um and certain um. 
um, uh, characters that you can pick have their own robots with their own style, and when they pick up those same items, like they do different things to them. Oh, that's awesome! So it's got so much going on. The game is only in Japanese, so the the Capcom collection on PS4, you can actually choose between the American or Japanese ROM. Uh-huh. And this one is Japanese only. And you got me thinking about it too. So because I don't know what the story is. <laughs> this <laughs> but it's goes cool. back to like this argument that comes up so freaking often. It's insane in the classic gaming community. Like when you compare Streets of Rage two. And it's Tracer Rage 3. Oh, one more thing. As you play, you earn experience points. And you, this would happen in the arcade. And then you can then you can buy extra moves that actually use um, uh, like joystick parts you find. Or, oh, joystick inputs. Joystick inputs. Oh, see, these are the things I'm talking about. It's like, so cool. It's so like, cool. I feel like over the years, beat-em-ups needed more innovation. What you described is very much what I would consider innovations in so. beat-em-ups. Yeah. Streets of Rage 3, I felt, was very innovative and like beat em ups mm-hmm. compared to like previous ones up to that point. So it always blows me away when people are like, Street Race 2 is the better one. Which, if I ask them to explain it and they go, the music, I'm like, I, I get that. You know, people love music, you know, but gameplay wise, no freaking contest. And one of the reasonings is kind of like what you described in that you had the experience system, which in its own weird way, it was like, it's weird because in Street Race 3, you. If you had the six-button controller, it didn't matter. But in the three-button controller, you had experience points because you get like 50,000 points without well dying, and you get like a star, which is basic experience, Yeah, which gives you some new moves you can play with. And like you described how the guns, you could pick them up and attach them, and different robots use them in different yeah. ways. Streets of Race 3 did that with weapons, too. If you found a weapon, certain people had a special type of dash attack or a certain type of special charge attack that other characters didn't have. Mm. Like... That's the kind of stuff that I'm like, I want to see that in my beat-em-up. Yeah. So it's not just like Turtles in Time, where it's like all the turtles are pretty much the same. And I say this as a guy that loves Turtles in Time. I love Final Fight. I love all those games. You know this. Mm-hmm. But yeah, they, they, the innovation seemed to stop for a long time. Now, uh, Carlos, I'm working on a game with Carlos and Cameron um, Childs. And we're... Um, it's a beat-em-up style game. And we're talking about like taking some of the best elements of some other games that we've enjoyed... And he, Carlos has told me a lot about Streets of Rage 4, which I haven't gotten into. A hammock, too. A hammock loves playing this game. But the, um, the, the gameplay is so refined where they just find it like a joy to like go through the combos because everything can be canceled into other moves and canceled into jumps. And um, I feel like that, that's an innovation that I feel like is just taking what's already there, which already was very basic, and elevating it just a little bit more. I need to play more of that game. I started Streets of Rage 4 mm. when it was on uh, Game Pass, and I played through, like, stage 3 or 2, yeah. whatever the police station was. And then I was like, don't keep going, because I've got the Switch version coming from Limited Run Games, and I'll get back to it when it shows up. And then I totally forgot it yeah. existed, because life happened. That, that would have been when I almost bought. I almost bought instead of, actually, the, the, the Capcom collection. <laughs> But I was like, I got really into the idea of playing all the old shooters, and then I found these uh, beat-em-ups. Now, I think the one thing that really kept this game from like appealing to me right away, and I think probably to a wider audience, is that there's no recognizable character. All the robots are like... Are generic robots? They're like, well, they're, they're interesting, they're very unique, but they're not, there's no face. You know, there's no, like, there's no guy, there's no Cody... You know, there's no so like, like Billy you, and Jimmy Lee. It's just giant robots. Well, with that in mind, how would you compare them to say the robots in Virtual On? Um, so the Virtual On robots are human, like almost humanoid, right? Mm-hmm. These are not. These are like giant shapes with feet, like literally like an Armor Core game where yeah. it's just like robot model QCX. Yes, exactly. It's a lot like that. 
So, oh, yeah, I can totally so see I that. So I could man. totally benefit with that. And there's still, like, little cutscenes in the characters. You see their heads at the bottom, like, talking. But, like, if they were front and center, it would be a different story. But or if they at least showed the pilot. Yeah, it showed the pilot throughout the whole thing. So I feel like that kind of held it back a little bit, but it was so innovative. And I think, I'm not sure if this came before The Punisher or um, Alien vs. Predator, because both of those beat-em-up games had joystick inputs as well. So I got to ask This now, might be earlier than that. As the first of the games that you were able to play, and actually completed it, if I'm in return to correct, you played through the entire game on the collection. How does it measure up? Was it a solid hit? Was it a oh, it's okay a pro? Oh, good. I don't have to go to the other options. It's yet. fun. It's, it's so much fun. Yes. Yeah, I like this one a lot. Um, it's very different, and I think if you like beat-em-ups and you want to play something different, this is a good one to get into. And I feel like I should just say this now. Yeah, I, even think, I think so. I think so. Like, it'll probably come up by the end of the episode, but I think it's worth saying now, too, just because the first game you pick hits that note in that... A lot of the games we were all picking when this whole thing started, you know, we're going to make it our big list of games we're going to knock out in the summer. They were all these, like, 40 to 60-hour epic <laughs> RPGs, and I'm a victim of that. I'm guilty of that, too. I mean, I have a whole list of games I didn't do that I intended to. Yeah, yeah. No, <laughs> they're, they're all like that. No, th- these games are going to be in, like, an hour, like, in the evening. You know, you're just going to play through it and be like, that was fun. Maybe I'll try it again. Or maybe not. You know? And there's 100% <laughs> nothing wrong with that. In fact, <laughs> yeah. I feel like a lot of mine, well, not a lot of mine, but a couple of mine actually felt like they hit that note, mm. like like one night epics or like maybe at the most 10 hours, mm. which means it can be done in like two weekends or something. But like, it's, there's nothing wrong with knocking out some short hits, get that love experience yeah. and be like, time to move on. Buzz. Woof. And also this era of Capcom music is pretty awesome. Oh, this so. is a gem. Like I, yeah, the fact that you claim this is like the weakest of your choices. Yeah. Leaves me <laughs> anticipating what you've got coming up. I don't up. think I recorded that, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Of all my, all the ones, like I like this one a lot, but I, I chose some ones I'm really, really into. So, all right. So I'm curious what, what you're going to be sharing with the class. Okay. Well, share the- with the class. <laughs> well, the first one for folks who know me in like Facebook world or in, I think you even mentioned it in the discord group. This mm. should be no surprise. Because I wanted that money. Um, I'll, I'll put context on it later. Okay. Um, oh, the, right, 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 right. The track is titled Battle One, and this is from the game Shining Force, the legacy of great intention. And this is from the Sega Genesis, composed by Masahiko Yoshimura.
Welcome back. You're listening to Battle One from Shining Force One from the Sega Genesis. I'm not going to keep up with that rhythm. Um, <laughs> composed by Masahiko Yoshimura. Mm, I love um, that. This is so good. I love I love that section where the drums cut out. It's this whole track. Yeah. Like it's it's interesting because a few things. One, as I mentioned, this was composed by Masahiko Yoshimura. This is the only Shining Force game he composed for. Possibly Shining in the Darkness, but I didn't check. But every one of the classic, like the majority of the classic Shining games that came after this were done by Motowaki Takenuchi. So I was surprised to come across this. I was all prepared to just like kind of, you know, just blind write this name in. And I was like, wait a minute. It's not that guy. You, you already wrote down Motowaki. And then I was like, wait a minute. Wait a sec. That's not him. Wait, so, wait not a minute. Some rando. Mm. But no, like honestly, this. So I love this track. You, it, you, you've been listening to it a lot. I really have. It's been like I've been like doing the extended cut multiple times at work. I mean, you've been playing the game, so I'm sure you've been listening to a lot oh. of Battle One, Battle One, Battle One. Oh, I've been playing the <laughs> side of this game. Yeah. So, yeah, like yeah. a little context for listeners. So, friend and listener of the show, uh, Chris, aka the Wise Guy, we like we like to call him <laughs> affectionately here. Sorry, uh, <laughs> so I, it's, it's stuck with him now. He's living with that. He's got to deal with it. Um, so, a couple weeks ago, I was admit, in the middle of starting up. Shin Megami Tensei 4 Apocalypse, which was a game I intended to play through, put off to the side, and then the last Reekin kind of challenged me to knock it out before the end of the summer. That was going to be my go-to. And I was like, okay, time to finally get this ball started. But on the episode where I started that game, I also mentioned Shining Force 1. Can't remember why I even brought it up. I think I was saying how I was like getting nostalgic for it. But I'd never played through that one of all the classic Shining games. Yeah, that's right. And I was like, I just can't really get into it because... Something about it. like I just feel like it should be Shining Force Two. Like mm-hmm. I can't. So wise guy, stepped to the plate and hit me with the challenge. And this dude is on the level because honestly he didn't have to. But I just go to show how much he loves these games. Mm-hmm. He said, "I'll cut you a twenty <laughs> if you can beat this game before the end of the summer." Now keep in mind this was the beginning of September at this point. There wasn't much summer left, and I already have trouble squeezing in games as it is. Mm-hmm. But I wanted that money. So I was like, let me see what I could do about this. So initially I had trouble getting started. It was a struggle, to be honest with you. But then on like one particular Saturday morning, Mm -hmm. I booted it up and the steamroll happened. Once I got past that initial first battle, the magic struck. Like I realized that this is still true blue shining force. Mm. It's not as good as two. You just had to kind of get over that initial that happened to me with final fantasy tactics after the first couple battles i was like oh okay i'm enjoy i'm into this i understand it now but it took me like a little bit to get over the hump mm-hmm. and i'm glad to hear you say that too because this was a dialogue i had earlier with a friend who it'll come up in another game that i picked for the list later where i feel like maybe it's because i'm getting old or something but i have i feel like games need to hook me almost immediately yes otherwise i get tired i'll start falling asleep when i'm trying to play it and it just doesn't measure up and i feel bad sometimes because one these guys put work into their products yeah two Mm -hmm. i feel like i could be missing out on a gem of a game because i just can't make it over that initial hurdle and it's tough especially with these classic games because you ask people online, it's already got this fan base that's like, go play the whole thing. It's blah, blah, blah. the best game ever. And you're like, but what if I don't like it? Is there something wrong with me? No, it's not. Um, but 
forgot what I was going with this. But yeah, it, it, the fan bases are going to cloud your judgment, maybe. Mm-hmm. But um, no, I'm glad you got into it. How long did it take you to finish this one? Let me see. To be honest with you, I would say I knocked it out in three full days. Mm-hmm. Because like that one Saturday, I played through at least half the game in one sitting. Like, let's say partial sitting, because I would get up and do stuff and come back to it, because it was on the Switch, so it's easy-peasy to do that. I can play it in the parking lot at the Denny's. It didn't matter. Um, But then, like, the Sunday, I got back and hooked into it, and when that day ended, I was maybe right... I was bumping up against the final chapter, and Chris was making fun of me because he knew that I would hit analysis paralysis when it came time to start knowing what characters to cut yeah, what characters to keep? This was an interesting uh, development. Yes, it yeah. was. And I was like, I can't choose. Like, who do I get rid of? I love these <laughs> are all my babies. And he bops it with his, like, laughing emojis. Like, you ain't going to beat this game. You can't even settle into a character. So I did something I almost never do in games. Mm-hmm. I straight up went with this hardcore approach of, if you ain't cutting the mustard the moment you're drafted, get the heck out. I've really enjoyed seeing that happen because I feel like I, I do that a lot. Because, like, I'm like, I, I can't. I got to get invested in these. Especially with, like, they're not giving me full storylines for every single character in here. So I'm like, I better get into like, these are my boys. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna roll with them. You know, if you if if you can't if you can't wow me right away, you gotta hit the curve. You know what? You lost your interview. <laughs> that's what that's what I'm happy. <laughs> gotta like. drop you. You got you got you got like a you got like a two week internship and then you're out. <laughs> <laughs> and I think most of the guys I ended up beating the game with were people I kind of started out with yeah, as in like they, br- they were coming into the initial set of 12 characters yeah, you get. Yeah, I feel like a lot of games like this or games with lots of characters like this, they introduce a lot of them so they give you the the option to maybe even during the replayability of the game to try different teams, you know, to see how they play out. Maybe you're missing out on something interesting. Especially with this game. Like, I have one with dynamics, but, like, who cares, right? You're, you're going to enjoy what you got. And with this game, like, it's good that they do that, though, because on one hand, if you're not in the middle of a contest to win money, uh... <laughs> You'll be. You might want to take your time and grind characters up. But in addition to that, like, like you said, replayability. You'll come through with a new set of guys. Like, there's, there's randomizers. Like, one of my friends was. Talk, he was excited about me playing it. Oh, there's a randomizer for this. Yeah. Oh. So like, you'll go to the randomizer, hit the button. It's like these are the twelve characters you have to use. And he said the way it works is if you you know do it traditionally because you can budget if you want. When it says your characters, no one else can fight. Meaning, let's say you start. Cause you start the game with like four guys, right? Right. And I believe by design, it gives you at least one of those people, so you're not like out on the curb. But depending on who it chooses, no one else is allowed to fight. Mm. So if it gives you only your hero, everyone has to stay back during the whole fight. And if the hero dies, that's your run. You're done. Interesting. So you have no more party members until one of your randomized people <laughs> is naturally recruited. And he's like, finally, another party member. It's is just he, like a brutal way to play, but I know, but I, do it. I, yeah, I love this like like this 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 post retro world that we're living in, where we're just enjoying games in a new way, like the um uh, the Ocarina, Ocarina of Time, the uh, Link to the Past randomizer. Yes, the one was like so Link interesting, to the past with, like yeah. Super Metroid together, the Super Metroid one, and they mashed them together. I'm like, yeah, play the games your own way. I think that's so cool, and it's I, I like the fact that in the end. I did manage to beat this game. He legitimately congratulated me. And then he immediately <laughs> cut me the money with a bonus, which he didn't have to do. That's, yeah. Quite frankly, if he gave me nothing, I would have been fine with it. Because in the end, I genuinely well, he knew he knew that part of that's for me, right? No. And that's why there's a little extra wait, on top. Because he, I don't, what? he said, give this to Rob. No, no, no. What? <laughs> who, 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 what, Dave? But like, no, so like, it's a... 
he knew I needed it. Like it was like I've been having some rough issues with like you know social dynamics and mm. stuff and out in the world and work. So I was kind of in a weird spot too. But that game and that challenge, mm-hmm. it put me on a road where I was just like, Nick taking me out. No one tells me I can't do something. Yeah, yeah. So I'm gonna do it. <laughs> I'm gonna show it to you because let's be honest. If he said do this. And it was within a window of time where, like, I just naturally knew, like, it's not my fault. It's just literally, there's no way you can do this in this mm-hmm. window of time. I would have just vetoed it. Like, I'm not doing oh, this yeah. challenge. It's it's part of the social aspect of, of the gaming that you really enjoy. Mm-hmm. You know? I understand that. So, like, in the end, it was worth it. Mm-hmm. I love this. I genuinely love this game. Now, it is officially a part of the Shining Force lexicon of games I like. In fact, it's part I would of your, even say... It's part of your Shining family. Oh, you. Yeah. But I will say... At least the second game, I bet you'd even probably like it. That was my phone, I think, here. Oh, okay. I was just wondering if I brought my head. I think it's the other end. Because, like... Uh, I, pl- I started playing the second one. I think it was the second one. It's really simple. Like, that's why I think it would click for you. Like, yeah. And when I say simple, I mean that there's not a ton of, like, customization to get hung up on. It's literally your guys can level up, and they'll learn stuff. That must have been the one I was playing on the, on the phone. Um, there was some phone releases for them, so yeah. it's possible. But, like... It's something so just genuinely charming yet simplistic about these Shining Force games. You don't get hung up on it's like Final Fantasy Tactics. What job am I going to use? Where am I going to spend my job? Actually, I should have played a lot of it when I was um, traveling to Seattle a couple months ago. But instead, I was playing Picross. <laughs> well, Picross is crap. I love Picross. All right, so uh, we got to move on here. So uh, my next game is the game uh, Battle Circuit, which is another um, arcade beat-em-up. Uh, I it sounds like race cars fighting. I know it does. It's a very limited North American release, mainly a Japanese title. This track is called Find Out the Shiva System. Stage 7-1 is composed by Siyun Nishigaki, credited only as Siyun in the game. So this is Battle Circuit for the Arcade. I see you. Oh, God. This is Find Out the Shiva System, Stage 7-1 from the game Battle Circuit for the arcade, composed by Siyun Nishigaki. This one is off the wall. Like, this is like Capcom threw everything. They had, like, every idea for a game, for a character, for an enemy, and they threw it against the wall. And they said, what's going to stick? And they said, everything sticks. This is, like, every idea they ever had. It's got it's got motion controls for, for inputs, I'm not motion, but I mean like a joystick, joystick motion commands. Oh, like a fighting game. Yeah, like a fighting game for all these different inputs. It's got like a leveling system. You earn money through the game to buy new 
like moves, special moves, all and they, and then you have dash moves, you have jumping moves, you have dashing jumping moves. Is you this have, in the? Is this actually in that belt action collection? Because this sounds like something I need to play. Uh, this one is, I think. Oh, yeah, because I think it was a battle circuit and Captain Commando was in there too. I think I only played Captain Commando on the on the SNES. But um, no, this one is, it's just got so much going on and the game is weird. Like the story is like, they're, I think they're, um, I can't even remember. They're like uh, bounty hunters in space and they're fighting like monsters to like, but they're ordered by like this weird corporation. So like half the game is, not half the game, but like the beginning of every stage is like you're in an office and the guy's like at a desk and he tells you to go beat somebody up and you go <laughs> into space. And it's just so strange. It's and like and the enemies are all over the screen. Like it's constant. It's non-stop. And then parts of the game you think is a cutscene, you end up fighting through anyway. Like it's it's like it's just a non-stop game. It's very hard to keep track of. I'm just picturing like this one. I just one. This one I didn't like, finish. I didn't get to the end of this one. I just because I just stopped. But like it's just so interesting. Your description makes me think it's like the Daily Bugle, but it's like the Daily Brawler, where the guy's like, it's "Parker, kinda, get in here, yeah. pick that guy up." <laughs> I'm probably getting it all wrong, remembering it all wrong, but that's what I remember about it. it was no, you remembered like, it just this right. Is, this is very strange. It's cool, but like, yeah, it's got it's super colorful. Um, the characters are all like really wacky. The enemies are really interesting and funny. Um, and it's almost too much happening on the screen at one time. I can't imagine this multiplayer. Like, See, I'm like sure it's fun, player. but like, it's weird. It's it's so much how, action. How fast is it? Very fast. See, I'm glad to hear this because very very fast. Because this is like. I talk about Fight and Rage a lot, and that's one of the things I always hype Fight and Rage up for compared to like a lot of other games where I'm like, this game is fast-paced, mm-hmm. lots of enemies on the screen, something that most classic beat-em-ups just didn't do. Like, they're generally more, you know, methodical. Like, yeah. Like, like, uh, the Streets of Rage is definitely, like, methodical. You know, Final Fight, one of the earliest beat-em-ups in that genre, it's, like, so slow. Um, what are you describing? This? Double Dragon is incredibly slow, but this one's—it's almost like it's almost too fast and too much happening on the screen, where you'll die and you're, and you're not sure what happened because you lost track of what was going on. But in its own right, though, like I feel like that's an aspect of the beat 'em up that's under touched because, and the idea of it being too much, the game challenge then becomes heavy influence on crowd control and placement management, really. Yeah. Um, because when they, like when I'm playing Fight and Rage, there'll be scenarios where just like dudes just like rushing at the giant enemies, the tiny enemies, the fast enemies, the slower enemies. And they're all there, and your whole goal is to not get lost in the flood and have this small pocket where like you're the guy in the middle, like boom, you're just moving. And I just ripped my cable out, but that's part of the fun of the show. <laughs> Are um, you unplugged or you just knocked it? Oh, you just knocked, knocked it off the it. thing. That, yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, like, but I feel like with this one, there's there's less moves that are are going to clear the area for you. I feel like Fight and Rage because it's a modern game, and they were like, we understand what player, but what's fair for a player to enjoy? Because mm-hmm. I feel like the, the idea of fairness in video games is very arbitrary, right? Like, what does the game designer think is fair? What does the player think is fair? And what what is fair and what is challenge? That and is I feel true. like people will have a hard time enjoying something if they feel like they're not able to accomplish anything. And that's if I'm going to lose, I want to know why I lost so that I feel like I can get better at it. Not just like you lost because you didn't throw another quarter in because we were just going to do it anyway. And that's an interesting thing that you say, too, because like that falls to a line with like a lot of the arguments that people throw, like the Dark Souls-y type stuff and all those kinds of games, because there really is no one concept of fairness. <laughs> There's no true, one yeah. concept of you know, authentic gameplay. It's literally just, I made a thing, I designed it this way, 
take it as it is. Figure it out. Yeah. See, I think with Dark Souls, I think it, it feels intentional. Like that game is intentional. Oh, it is. Yeah, yeah. it is. So but when you play it, like you're expecting maybe that level of either challenge or surprise. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, I should have memorized this to happen next because it was intentional. Yes, yeah. and that's where it gets weird because depending on who you ask. You'll get two very different styles of answers. Obviously, there's some weirdness in between, too. Oh, I'm also saying this never playing a Souls game. Oh, well, but you're still <laughs> right. Because what it is is, like, you'll play a Souls game, and the enemy has a design, a pattern. He does these things, and you can do things. Like, your character isn't a wellspring of infinite options. He's literally, I can do a regular attack, a heavy attack, and I can guard, I can parry. And I can and run out of the way. And I can run away, right? And then the enemies do what they're going to do, and you kind of come to understand them, and you work accordingly. If you die, you go back to the bonfire or whatever. And some people will go, okay, I flubbed there. I let myself get caught in a a movement while the guy was swinging. I couldn't block. He killed me. Next time, I'll play better. And you'll just keep doing it until you get it right. Other folks will go... That's BS. It's unfair. I was I was swinging. I should have been able to stop swinging, but I couldn't, and he killed me. Yeah, yeah, This yeah. is so unfair. Yeah, but like you knew the animation was going to continue. Yeah. So I feel like that is an intention of of the design. You know, you kind of. That's almost like a um uh, uh you bought the ticket, take the ride. Take the ride. <laughs> and, yeah. And that's where like a lot of like some of my dialogue comes in when I talk about a lot of these games. Where I'm like, at the end of the day, I mean, you can always play something new, but. What's fair to one won't be fair to the next, yeah. and vice versa. Oh, it's so true. Like this battle circuit, I really want to try it now because I, I think you'll, I think, I think you'll it. enjoy it because it's so bizarre. I think it's yeah, it's in that that one collection you've got. I'm probably, I, I might yeah. start it up tonight. All right, so what's your what's your next track then? All right, so this next track is going to come from a game that I did not even expect to like. It came through on review mm-hmm. as a game I originally was going to buy, but then didn't. And then the review came. Played the whole darn game by the end of the summer. And it is officially probably my favorite OST of the year. Oh. Flat out. And no one on this that's listening to this show will probably ever play it. <laughs> it's called World's End Club. And the track is titled as Final Battle. And it's composed by Jun Fukuda.
You're listening to Final Battle from the game World's End Club from the Nintendo Switch and also released on Apple Arcade, composed by Jun Fukuda. So, this game, again, I had a short list of tracks and I genuinely had trouble choosing one. I had like Panopticon, A Flawed Deity, Final Battle, Heaven, Infiltrate, and the Automobile Factory. A bunch of names I just, I just, I just shot from the hip with this one um, because I couldn't decide. Um, but as far as this game goes, it's weird in that it, in a number of ways, this is not the sort of game you would think I would have stuck with. Like, it's like stupid easy. Like, it's to the level where the challenge really isn't there. It's gameplay intended to just give you actions and things to do, mm-hmm. but it's not meant to actually impede you in any way. It's just okay. meant to play through. So not so much the Purnell game I was imagining. Exactly. Okay. And, and secondly... A Purnell game being challenging and full of anime heroes. Well, come on. I play tons of games from a dramatic <laughs> perspective. It's not just anime girls. I play these games for the articles. <laughs> Don't st- stop it. I play lots of games. Ah, I'm, just, I'm just giving you a hard time. <laughs> but, like, the second element of this game mm-hmm. that you wouldn't think would have attracted me is the fact that it is very, <laughs> like, hammy. And okay, that okay. its story is very just all over the place. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't even try to take itself seriously. It knows it's off the rails. Like, the game is pretty much a scenario where like a bunch of kids are on a school field trip. A meteor hits Tokyo. Awesome. They go unconscious and wake up in an underwater lab. Love it. And they're inject- They're thrown into a death game a la Danganronpa where they have to kill each other in- within an hour. And the final survivor gets to go free. Um... But it's not really that, and that was probably one of the worst marketing decisions that these guys could have done. Which is that it was originally it was designed by the guy who created Danganronpa and his right. new team. So, so everyone's expecting games. that style, and of course they opened the game with that kind of story, mm-hmm. similar story. And people were expecting that for the game, and when it didn't deliver, they were like, "This is stupid. I don't want to play it." But that section only really takes like thirty minutes, mm-hmm. and that's that the actual game opens up where these kids are working together. They're called the Go Getters Club. Um, and they're working together to travel across Japan from where they start to Tokyo to see if their families are okay, oh. essentially. And as they travel, different events occur, which result in them obtaining special powers. <laughs> like, for whatever reason, these kids just have powers. And I'll tell you flat out, it's not even really a spoiler, but they, there's a reason in game. But the reason in game is cockamamie. Like, mm. you're not going to hear it and go, yeah, that makes total sense. You're going to go... That's the game I'm playing. <laughs> but despite that, it it really hit the right notes for me. Mm. The kids have moments where they sing along. They have a theme song. Like, all these things. Like, some people will play, like, an Aroge game on a bus and be like, I can't have people watching me play this. I'm kind of sketchy. Whereas this is the kind of game where it's like, this is too, like, childish and sappy. I don't know if I want people seeing me play this, <laughs> but I didn't care. <laughs> Too I far had, on the other side. It's on the other side. Yeah, but I love it. Like I enjoyed it when the kids would sing their song. I'd smile. Like it made me feel good when hmm. the kids would inject thoughts of hope in a bad situation, and I have to work together with my friends to figure this out and solve the problem. I'll protect my friends. Oh, I like this. Yeah. All these things. Uh-huh. It just hit the right notes. I said, "This is a positive game." And a sea of dire games. Because yes. most games are like, the world has ended. 
and you're the last survivor. Yeah, Go yeah, cut the, up a this, bunch this of things. This game isn't about the apocalypse. This game is post-apocalyptic. It's like it's it's all happened, and now it's just terrible all the time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. In this game, the kids are like they're all happy. Like they have their moments of sadness just because of the environment, but overall. They generally remain fairly positive throughout hmm. the entire game, oh, like and this. they experience this adventure, children's adventure, like a kid's movie, like a like a Pixar film or a Disney movie. And throughout the whole thing, I was like, this makes me smile. This makes me feel good. Hmm. This is great. Never felt challenged. The music is banging. Like, there's tracks in here that hammock with love. Oh. Like, straight up. Like, this isn't probably one of them, because this isn't a smoothie. No, but, no, no, but it definitely has like a has a, a fun element to it. I think it has to do with that piano a little bit, a piano mixed with that guitar. And this is cool too because like the, the it plays during a battle because mm -hmm. there are boss fights in the game, and it's basically all the kids have to work together to fight this one entity mm -hmm. that's impeding their progress. And it's actually again, it's cheesy as heck. But it's just nice to be like, I can do it. Here's my turn. And it's like the kid comes up, and like like one kid can like invert gravity so like she can flip onto the ceiling mm -hmm. and back and forth and one kick and blow fire when she eats hot potato chips that's my kind of ability by the way um, <laughs> I see why you like this game now <laughs> that's right potato chip fire uh, fantastic game uh, I can't promise that everyone that plays it would like it mm -hmm. but I can promise everyone who listens to the soundtrack will find something they like because it hits all the notes Hammock, if you're listening to this episode, listen to the Infiltrating the Automobile Facility track specifically, because I think you'd like that. Um, but overall, there's like just so much good here. Like this, again, I've listened to a lot of music this year. I've played a lot of games this year already. But this one, this OST is peak for me right now. Oh. Like this is hit. Well, this is not. This is not the last we're gonna hear of this soundtrack. Oh, not a not chance. Yeah, yeah, not a chance. I like that. I like that. Um, so my final track. It's coming from another classic Capcom title. Um, this one um, is one of my favorites, uh, but of course, playing this in the arcade, you don't really get to listen to the music because there's sound effects and there's there's other machines around you. So listening to this soundtrack made me be like, oh my god, this is amazing. This is a 19XX, The War Against Destiny. I've never heard of this. This is, I think, the third in the, the, the 1984 series or 1984. Oh, it's a shooter. It's a, it's a shmup. Admit what drove me to the collection in the first place, but um, is all the shmups that I enjoy. Um, I, th I believe it's a third or the fourth in the, the 1949 series, um, and it's just it's it really starts to embrace more of the bullet hell, the faster aspect of the game, and there's a lot more interesting scoring and moves. I'll get into that. The music the music is fantastic. This is I chose a few. We're gonna listen to Mission Four, the Silver Ice Sheet. Composed by, again, uh, Siyun Nishigaki for Capcom's 19XX, The War Against Destiny.
Oh, it's got that loop that just rolls right into itself. This is Mission 4, the Silver, Sh- I- Silver Ice Sheet from 19XX, The War Against Destiny for the arcade composed by Siyun Nishigaki. Ooh, I love it. I've been meaning I to love ask it so much. I need to know. The other ones were like 1984, and like I think the other one was like another year, and this was 19XX. Right. Does this do like a futuristic shift yes. where it's like crazy lasers? And- yeah, I believe, I believe... And I don't get me again. These games don't have much of a story they tell you, um, especially when you're replaying like the stages over and over, like I am for score. Uh, I believe uh, 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 they're thrown forward in time, or like or sort of uh, the robots from the, the future are thrown in the past, mm-hmm. and so um, the enemy, which I believe is the maybe the Germans in this case. I don't know. Who is the Germans? Well, I mean, like it's always weird when you're playing these World War II themed games as a as a Japanese warplane so it's like what side are you on <laughs> this is very confusing it's a little confusing and a little problematic but I don't think it's like that I think it's mainly like um, aliens have taken over the, 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 the technology on earth and they might be from the future so so they just have to work to fight yeah. against this alien group it's, we, we've gone away from World War 2 at this right. point and we're focused on like crazy space adventures right and then the heroes who are in the planes are the player they have taken I guess the technology and attached it to their plane so they can fight back so this this game introduced um, holding down a charge shot which is pretty cool and um, a lot of the power ups you get it's not just like incremental over and over and over again it's like one's a spread shot one's like a focused laser shot and one's like a missile like kind of homing shot I'll always prefer those kinds of power ups over like the incremental boost Mm -hmm. because I feel like with incremental boost I mean, it's probably conducive for score play because you don't have to really pay attention to what you're picking up. You just want to grab everything. Yeah. yeah. But with items that do specific attacks, yes. it requires it results in doing more strategizing. Like, is this the area where I want the laser versus the spread? Right. And going after these these pickups, especially in these these what this game was was becoming a bullet hell game, is it's the risk of collecting these items because you're putting yourself in harm's way to go out of your way. Oh, to weave over to it. Yeah, you're either weaving over to it or you're leaving an enemy that you could have taken out that can eventually attack you from like another side, another angle that you weren't expecting. Um, and I also I like this because it gives you options to play through each stage. You may want a straight shot on one enemy, but then you want a spread shot on like on a different part of the, of the stage. So it gives you all these different, instead of just choosing a different plane, it gives you different ways to play the game. Um, so I found that really exciting. I, I like this one a lot. Yeah. And honestly, with this OST playing behind it, it does click for me in a way where it's like, I like this, which reminds me of a track, I got a game I need to write down for the end of the episode because, well, I'll bring it up later. Oh, but- yeah, we can talk about this bass. <laughs> this bass is incredible. I love the, the way they programmed like the slap bass all over this track. It's just, yeah, it's a really good tune. Like, I got to ask now, even though, because this, even though there's a bonus round track, nonetheless, of the ones you've selected for this episode, which of these is your favorite? This one. This is your favorite. This one. I had another track selected. It was Mission 7. That's From the same game? From the same game. It's incredible. But it's this, this this composer, he's really, really good. I, I love his jazzy, like kind of proggy elements. Um, like kind of acid jazzy. With and it's interesting stuff. to picture this track being played over a bullet hell shooter. Yeah. I think that's what works for it, though. Like, like, like for me, having that because it takes so much concentration. Like, it really you get really into the music, and it's kind of you kind of slow down and enjoy it. But again, if you're playing this in the arcade, all you hear is the yeah, like the guns and the explosions, and then like someone playing um, like whack a mole behind you. <laughs> Skateball, yeah. run them up, line them up. 
25 cents. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's all you hear. But like, but this music, this is also the era when Capcom introduced that um, that sound thing. What was it called? Q sound? Oh, Q sound. Which is why you hear like really distinct left and right channel on your headphones. Okay. So this is another good episode where if you're listening on headphones or in the car, like you're going to get really hard pan left and right sounds. Uh-huh. Um, and I think that I think that was to to to, to really push focused sound for the for the single player in an arcade that's like too Blasting loud, noise. super loud. Yeah, yeah. Which I think it was kind of successful, but like in the end, it was just it just caused the other games to get louder, which caused this game to get louder. And it was yeah, it was pretty much like music games in the arcade now. Like yeah, they're fighting for sound dominance. I know. I, I I worked in an arcade for so long. I don't know how I got away with it without any kind of hearing damage. But going that to you know. <laughs> know of, what was that? No, but going to um, round one a couple like the last couple times that I went, it's just the music game area, which is of course what I love, was so loud that like my ho- my, my throat was hoarse from talking over everybody. Like I, my ears were ringing when I left. It was like going to a concert. Yep. Like you ultimately end up going there hoping that people aren't playing the games around the one you want to play. Yeah, yeah. It's a little rough. It's, 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 it's tough that they're all, it's nice that they're all there, but it's tough that it's all concentrated in one spot. I feel like they should more game more music arcade games should have had headphone jacks. Admittedly, dance games really can't work with. Yeah, them. they can't. Yeah, uh, people at home have tried, and, and some people are more successful with it. But like, it's it's a hazard. <laughs> well, blue. If you got Bluetooth headphones, yeah. that's different. Yeah, but no. but rhythm games, no. you're introducing lag. Oh, that's true. Yeah, you gotta be careful. All right, um, we're on to your final track. All right, so my last track for my normie bunch is from a game that, like the previous one, was a review from um, SML. This one was a review I received from Hey 4 Player, and I didn't even expect to get hooked on it because I played through the original on Genesis, mm-hmm. but this was a remake they put out on you know, PS4 and Xbox One, and this is, but the music is still really good, and I knocked it out in like a, like a weekend. I was hooked. The game itself is called Wonder Boy, Asia, and Monster World, and the track title is called Labyrinth on the Sky, and it was composed by Jen Watanabe.
Welcome back. You're listening to Labyrinth on the Sky from the game Wonder Boy, Asia, and Monster World, composed by Jin Watanabe, but remastered by Shinichi Sakamoto for this release. So this is oh, so interesting. It, this track <laughs> is cracked to me. Like I, So Wonder Boy, Asia, and Monster World is a remake of Monster World 4, it was like it was like Monster World Four, Wonder Boy Three, some stupid numbering thing. It's it's dumb. Just know that. Um, but the game had was heralded as like a lost Genesis gem back in the day. Huh. Like to put it in perspective, back way back when we worked at like at the old like mail at the at the real estate place. Um, I actually imported the Wonder Boy collection for the PlayStation Two specifically to play an untranslated version. Of the original version of this game, and I loved it despite being unable to read any of it. Mm. So this game getting a remaster with an update with like fresh graphics and all was really cool, and I was happy to get a chance to review it. Which, by by the way, it's a great freaking game. Mm. Um, but playing through it, I got to this level, and this track just stuck. So to put some perspective on like what you said earlier, I think it was off the brick where you said like you heard like an Arabian esque sound. In yeah, the- I had like an arabesque like sound to it, where these chords are coming in. I felt like they were kind of off, but then I realized like what the direction it's going in, and that's it's it's really interesting. Like it's really forcing your brain to like kind of shift as you're listening to the track. It's, I, I'm enjoying it very much. So that thing you're hearing, right? So. The game takes place in like an Arabian style like world, and when you go to different like stages, mm-hmm. like you kind of teleport to them, and they every track has some variation of that nestled in it, mm. so it keeps that theme going throughout the almost the entire game. So it's kind of cool if you're not familiar with the OST from playing the game, mm-hmm. to listen to each track. I'm like, where do I hear that recurring sound come in? Where does it fit? But I think this is my favorite interpretation of it mm. because it it just sounds so jazzy and uh-huh. the level it plays in is so cool. Like you're in this cloud castle, but when you go inside the actual castle, it's like this weird colorful pattern scrolling in the background that's like made up of like the four suits, like card suits, mm-hmm. like heart spade or whatever. And there's like conveyor belt squares that are like moving around, like dropping. There's conveyor belts that you kind of slide around on. There's a segment where you have to like shrink down to fight a giant blob. Um, <laughs> there's it's just so cool. Like I took pictures of it and put it on Facebook. Like this stage is awesome. <laughs> Look at this crazy crap. Like I really love this. And it's another case of also partly why I was able to beat it. I think is simplicity. Mm-hmm. You get equipment, like sword, shields, or whatever, and bracelets, but there's very little to compare between them. It's basically a matter of this one's better than the old one. This right. one's better than the old one. So your whole goal is get the better one. So it's, more of, it's more of a progression rather than like choice and decisions. Exactly. Right. So in the end, what you end up doing is you're beating stages. Because even though it's, te- it's, it's labeled as like a sort of action RPG, it's more of like an action platformer right. to me. This, is this a full remake of the original Genesis uh, Monster World 4? Yes, it is. Like, to the letter. Like, they didn't add anything new particularly. It's literally the same game, but, but it looks much better. It's still called Wonder Boy. Um, yeah, it was called, like, Wonder Boy Monster World 4. Okay, I'm saying this is called Wonder Wonder Boy Asha in Monster, Monster World. Mm-hmm. But you play as Asha. Yes, because the series was Wonder Boy. Not a Wonder Boy. 
you're not an actual Wonder Boy. Because, <laughs> like, we had that episode with, um... XVG Radio, Radio yeah. where we were talking about the weirdness of that whole franchise. Yeah. And that's pretty much... This is, like, the epitome of that, where it's like, how do we name this game? <sighs> it's but, in the Wonder Boy universe, colon... Monster World, yeah. also. We, it's, for, it's the fourth Monster World, but there's some Wonder Boy in it. Whatever. So, uh, he got Wonder Boy in my Monster World. You got Monster Boy, Monster World, in my Wonder Boy. You got Asha in the Wonder Boy, Wonder Boy, Monster. Mon- I keep saying Monster. World. Hi, I'm Officer Weston. How can I help you? Let me stop. <laughs> uh, but like this, yeah, this. But the game is irrefutably good. Like mm-hmm. it's just a fun, simple game to play. There's a lot of charm in it. I feel like it gets a little absurd when the main character only says like Pepe. <laughs> but that's the name of the giant floaty monster that you kind of uh, hang out with for platforms. Well, this is also a recreation of a, of a classic. So there's going to be like, you know, some classic elements, you know. Oh, yeah. That's Limit probably because before she had no voice, but they gave her one in this. But she just says that a lot. Yeah. But in the end, it sure as heck didn't hurt a great game. And mm. I ripped it apart. Like I got all the little collectible items. Oh, cool. Which is funny because it doesn't really do much. I think it unlocked like a sound test or something. You were just enjoying it. I was enjoying it that much that I wanted to collect all the drops. And Well, if you unlock the sound test, then you can listen to this again. Oh, too. Well, I can just go to the stage and play through it again. <laughs> which is like I have a save file still there for that uh, purpose. I see you are also a man of fine tastes. You better believe save 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 states to get to the music. That's right. You bet your sweet bip. <laughs> All right, so I'm going to turn this track down, and we're going to get into the part of the show we call the bonus round. Bonus round. And the bonus round is where we play covers and remixes and arrangements on our theme. And uh, we didn't give a proper bonus round in our last episode because we were doing anime titles. Admittedly, from my perspective, at least on this one, it almost still won't be, but it'll be close. Yeah, mine's a little different too. So mine is actually the theme to the Capcom Arcade Stadium. So as soon as you turn it on, like there's a whole like little music video it plays, and then like there's theme song plays too. And it's like the theme song to playing arcade games. I don't know how, how to explain it. <laughs> <laughs> like, gonna play a game. It's kind of like that. In the arcade. It's kind of like that. And because Put your quarters in and sign them up. It's time to go. It's going to jam time. You're joking, but <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot like that. It's a really fun song. It's called A Brand New Day. Um, this is the opening theme to the Capcom Arcade Stadium, which is just a collection of games, composed by Zach, Zing- Zach Zinger featuring Buku. Good old days, we'd be in the arcade all night. Play the fear games in the sun, right in 
That was A Brand New Day by Zach Zinger and Buku for the Capcom Arcade Stadium. That that song is way better than it needed to be. It's good. And like way more like like you start the game up. You maybe you don't even get through that first verse and you're like, okay, start. You know, and you're wait, already wait, playing. You're like, I'm hooked. Yeah, because like once you're um once you're choosing your games, like this music doesn't play anymore. It's like some kind of like random background music. But this thing is it just I was I started listening to it and I was like, Oh, I gotta listen to the end of this. This is really cool. And it hits some nostalgia notes yeah. in there too. Like oh, yeah. I was joking earlier about the idea, like put your quarter on stand and line them up. Let's go. It was like it sounds like it was hitting a number of lines like that, where it's like going for the high score, you know. But yeah, you know. yeah, remembering the days when um, you had to work, like you had to work hard and you focused and you played with your friends, and it was like, oh, that's kind of fun. Yeah, it feels good. Yeah, it's a good. It's a real. And I love all the different movements to the song too. The the little breakdowns and the, the horns, the horn sections really really makes that track. So. Um, Bravo. <laughs> <laughs> Well-selected yeah. choice, friend. Thank you. All right, so what do you have? All right, mine is not nearly that upbeat, but it is still <laughs> legitimately good. Yeah, this is probably the most upbeat song I've ever played on the show. <laughs> this is a track where two names on it will definitely stand out to people who've been playing like sort of like a number of like classic horror games like Silent Hills and stuff like that. Oh, okay. Um, but... You probably have not played this game, actually, because it's on the Series X and the PlayStation 5 now. Right. The game is called The Medium, huh? and the co- the track is titled Voices, and it's composed by Akira Yamaoka with vocals by Mary Elizabeth McGlynn. Oh, so Akira Yamaoka. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Voices in my soul know that I'm not in control. 
You were just listening to the song Voices from the game The Medium, composed by Akira Yamaoka with vocals by Mary Elizabeth McGlynn. Um, you might know Akira Yamaoka from mainly a lot of people know him from like the Silent Hill franchise. Mm-hmm. He composed a number of tracks for like some of the um, Konami music game franchises. Um, he's out there. I mainly know him from Silent Hill personally. Yeah, I think most of our listeners will probably also. It has that feel to it. And oddly enough, mm-hmm. with Mary Elizabeth McGlynn, what I didn't realize, like she's been in a lot of stuff because she's done like cartoon voiceovers and stuff. But what I didn't peg her for until I heard the voice and read it, 
She voiced this is for like old school anime head. She like voiced the English dub version of the Queen of the Bugram from an old anime I watched called El Hazard the Magnificent. Oh, El Hazard, yeah, 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 yeah. And the moment I heard that, I was like hearing the vocals of this song, I'm like that's totally the Queen of the Bugram. <laughs> I can hear it. That is so weird. Oh wow, that was an, that was amazing. It's so dark too. It yes. was just like not not super hopeful but you wouldn't imagine that from <laughs> not from this game anyway. no 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 and it's interesting because it goes back to a discussion i've had i brought it up earlier in the show but this is the game i was referring to where i originally got it for review i was interested in the game initially but i didn't have an xbox series s mm. or x or whatever so i didn't have access to it but with the ps5 release i was like i can finally try it and when i started it i fell asleep on two separate occasions during the beginning of the game Mostly because, you know, I start games late at night. I'm already tired. So trying to get rolling on a slow intro, I was like, done. Yeah, right. So originally I was prepared to be like, this game is just dumb. I'm not going to like it. But I got over the hump of just the intro sequence where, you know, the character learns that she needs to go to this resort because the secrets to her past are there. That's how a lot of games like they get you in a narrative. They give the character amnesia and right. they say someone got the answers or whatever. Mm-hmm. But you get there. And then the hook starts to happen when you realize she can go between like the human world and the spirit world, and she just like she's unlike every other person. Mainly, she's a medium. So she has a bridge between the two, so you're interacting with both simultaneously. Ooh. And like this story mm-hmm. develops of like these this family of mediums and like this sequence of events that occur, and it takes place actually in like overseas, like in like I want to say like Sweden or something, which means that uh, it takes place. In a scenario of like World War Two, mm. like where like there's like characters who were like had to like escape the Germans and all this stuff. So it's like a lot of games we're used to playing that have like real world context. They usually exist like in like modern day America right, or right, like right. modern day Japan, and it's like these they're based off of histories that we're all familiar with and we've dealt with a lot. But this game, they were like hitting some notes. We're like, wow, I haven't heard a game touched on this. Like there was a sequence where like one of the characters. Um, was traumatized because he was best friends with a Jewish girl who got given up to the Nazis mm. and all this stuff. And I'm like, I don't really experience this in games. <laughs> and this is really like, it's, it's eye-opening. It's really cool how they wrote it and how the characters interact and how you learn about what events took place between all these oh, people. Wow. And I was in. Like, It's another case of one of those games where I don't know who would like it if I'm like, you should play this game. Cause I, I mean, I already had one person hit me with it earlier. I was like, I tried to play this game and I just, I just didn't like it. It was just mm. not good. And I'm like, but they were bored at the beginning of it. Like yeah, I mentioned yeah, earlier, and you're like saying, stick with it. I'm like, stick with it. But this person's like, nah, I'm just not feeling. Mm. I'm like, oh well, that's all on you. I mean, but mm. the game deserves more credit than it's so so. It's yeah. more than so so. This is a good game. Wow. Um, but this song at the end, like you know, a lot of times you'll play through a game and you'll get to the end sequence. And you'll watch the ending and the credits will come up and you're like, okay, I'll, I'll walk away, let it play until like the special bonus <laughs> scene shows up or whatever. But, but when she started singing, I was like, let me go sit back down. Yeah, yeah. I so want to listen to this. Sometimes the endings of games like just really hit you and you're like, I just, you just like, in, in the ending sequence or the ending song, I'm sure, I'm sure this too, the way it sounds, but it's just like it, it, it feels like this is how you're finishing the, the, the game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it takes... I feel like the, the Marvel movies that are like, okay, you'll sit through the credits because there's going to be an extra little goodie for you at the end. But like some like really good movies, sometimes it ends on a song or ends on a note that you just want to sit and watch the credits just to process everything that you've done. 
I think everything a, that you've seen. I think a lot of times, a large part, of, like I think a lot of movies don't quite hit the same note for closers too. Mm. Is they pretty much rarely, if ever, use original compositions for the conclusion. It's usually like some licensed track that they slapped yeah, that, on there. Like, oh, I've point. heard Joan Jett a million times. I don't need to listen to her at the ending of a movie, you know. But in the case of like a lot of games, like game tracks like this, you've never heard this track before. They yeah. compose it solely to be listened to right now. Mm. So now you're like, well. This is hooking me. It's got to hit all the notes, but now I got to condense. I got to consume it. I have to sit down and take it all in. Mm-hmm. I can't go make a sandwich while this is happening. I got to actually pay attention. No, yeah, this one you definitely got to pay attention to. But if you want to pay attention to the artists and, and where to find them, go to rhythmandpixels.com. We'll have links to where you can find all of this wonderful music. Thanks for joining us on episode twenty-nine-eight. <laughs> I got it. I got it. I got it. I almost got it mixed up. Twenty-nine-eight of rhythm and pixels. This is the summer challenge. The summer challenge. We're Our closing in on world thirty. Yeah, we're gonna get to thirty soon. I don't know how I feel about that for now. <laughs> yeah, we just about to get the world ten. Do we start we're over? Do we just start numbering them normally? No, we're just the longest Mario game in existence. Do we? Do we? I mean, I guess we keep the numbering. Just keeps going. Right. World 39-gajillion. We should probably have another glitch episode rolling into 30. I don't know. But (laughs) it's coming up really soon. So, um, that's so crazy. So, at the end of the day, we're at the end of the Summer Games Challenge. This was the conclusion of it for us. Next week will be the patrons. So, do you have any final words in regards to your take on the challenge as it pertained to you? Oh, um, Yes. Yeah, I have some things to say for now. <laughs> I don't like feeling attacked. <laughs> no, no, no. I just I want people to to come away with this thinking that you know we don't often make time for ourselves to enjoy our to enjoy that time. Sometimes we, every moment I feel like it has to be productive or it has to be um, um, something for the betterment of yourself or or for your family for something else. And I think this challenge for a lot of people is all about enjoying your time again. Mm-hmm. I, I hope. Um, I did not. <laughs> <laughs> Which is why you diverted. I enjoyed my time in other ways, but like, yeah. So I just diverted and I just got into some classic arcade games. Yeah. And in my case, so mine almost may, may very well go on a similar tangent there. So to start... These are the games I actually completed in the summer of 2021. Okay, so this is... Oh, that's... It's not a long list, believe it or not. Oh, for now, Big Bad Boy coming in on a big list of games. You bet you're tushy! (laughs) (laughs) I ended up completing Daddish. Yeah. The Medium. Shining Force 1. Dragon Star Varnier. Alex Kidd Miracle World Deluxe. Wonder Boy Asia and Monster World. And World's End Club. So a total of seven games over the course of the summer. But wait a minute, you've... You've already played Monster Boy 4, though, right? Well, this is different. Before that. But you've also already played... What was it? Was it, was it Kid Chameleon? No, no. No, that, no, the only one I'd actually touched in any format up until, like, as far as, like, having completed it in some way in the past was, was the original though. Monster World 4. Okay. So you played Alex Kid though, right? No. I had never played oh. any version of Alex Kid. I got it mixed up with Kid Chameleon. 
Oh, I wish there was a remake of Pokemon. <laughs> yeah, you would love that. Now, the games I, I mean, intended... I mean, you would love that. <laughs> Maybe. Well, I would buy it. That's for darn. So you had some other ones that you that were that were like close to or that you were on Well, Well, de- depending on the game. But Honorable these were mentions. ones that I intended, like I attempted to get into, but just didn't quite nail it. Like okay. I was either I said at the beginning <laughs> I was going to do them or I started playing them and just didn't finish them. Just couldn't stick the landing. Couldn't stick the landing. What you got? Destiny Connect, TikTok Travelers, Shin Megami Tensei 4 Apocalypse. Labyrinth of Refrain, Coven of Dusk, Trails of Cold Steel 2, Legend of Heroes, mm-hmm. Mary Skelter 2, Astalon, Tears of the Earth, Saga Frontier Remastered, Caladrius Burst, Lamentum. Oh, that's that shooter, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And Shin Megami Tensei 3 Nocturne. Now, of the list you just heard me read, the majority of those are massive RPGs. Like, they were meant to take 40, 60 hours to complete. Um... Also, there's so many of them were games I've had prepared and ready to go for a long time. AKA, they were in the backlog of games to play, right? Yeah, I thought you finished Nocturne. Mm, nope. Uh, I never even finished it on the PS2. On the PS2, I got to the final dungeon and, you know, the Purnell way. I you was, are not a Shimigami Tensei real fan. That's right. I'm a Purnell fan, that's baby. That's right. You're. But I'm, shoot, I'm that guy. I'm never going to tell somebody fake, they're not a real fan. Like, you're a fake gamer. That's right. That's right. <laughs> like, it comes up with Persona a lot where people expect know, me to be like, I'm you're a fake Persona fan, but no. No, no honestly, I was just surprised because I just assumed that you had finished every single one. Oh, heavens <laughs> no. I, I played the living daylights out of them. Yeah, oh, yeah, I yeah. have not finished three. Okay. Um. So what I came away to learning in this whole adventure, and it's going to happen, it's going to pay forward in future scenarios too, of course, is that one... The concept of the backlog is BS. Like, we buy games, and we enjoy them, we try to enjoy them. But the truth of the matter is, there really is no quote-unquote backlog. We buy games because either we want to play them, or because we just want to own them. That is it. Like, there's collecting, and there's playing. You don't have to beat a game to experience a game. You enjoy what you put in. Which means, if I played Shin Megami Tensei 4 and stopped at the final dungeon, which is literally where I'm at right now... I enjoyed the game. I'm good. Mm-hmm. If I go back to complete it, it just means I want to see the ending. That's And that's fine. So if I stop Persona 5 where I'm at right now? That would be fine. <laughs> I mean, it's one of those scenarios where it's uh, like in a conversation perspective, I'd go, you really want to see the conclusion? And you go, you know, I'm just kind of burned out, which is fine because that boat sucks. <laughs> it really does <laughs> it suck. It takes a long time. Um, But... At the end of the day, you can have all the discussions with your friends you want. Why didn't you get this far? What stopped you? Why aren't you playing this game? Blah, blah, blah. But at the end of the day, it's all about taking a game, enjoying it to the fullest of your capacity, Mm -hmm. and being content with what you experience. None of the games I beat were intended. They were just games that I came across and knocked them out right. because they just happened to be games. I said, I want to play more of this. Right, I want right. to keep going. They Holy crap, you. They, they, you, you, were in, you finished them because you enjoyed them. And in the case of yeah. Shining Force 1, I enjoyed it and I wanted Chris's money. Uh, <laughs> like, but, uh, you can have a little extra incentive there. A little too. incentive. You know? Not everyone's going to have that. That's true. But it just worked out that way. And it, that goes for like any game. Like I'll talk your head off about a game to play and suggest a game because that's I'm passionate about this stuff. This is my world. But... I can talk your head off until your head turns blue, but if you opt to not play it or you just didn't like it or something and you wanted to move on, everybody's different and everyone's going to find enjoyment in different ways. Mm-hmm. You might play a game and go, I'd rather go play disc golf. Do it. Do it. Do it. Do it because that's, that's going to make you happy. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Games shouldn't be work. That's the other part of it too. Games, this is honestly advanced and remember, mm-hmm. but 
the big issue with backlog is that it may as well just come across as being work because we look at backlogs as this list of things we have to tackle. You have to get through it. You're putting in hours. Well, I mean, it's 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 why I take so long to purchase games because as soon as I purchase the game, I feel like the the cost of acquiring it requires me to give it attention. Mm-hmm. You know, like oh well, I'll feel bad if I. I don't want. I don't want to let that food go to waste. You know, and so and I'm becoming that way more so now. Or yeah. at least I'm trying to because what ends up happening is it starts out with as you're young, it starts out with nothing wrong with having more. I want yeah. a big library. I'll I'll play it when I'm in the old folks' home. That's the usual thing that Mike and I will say. We'll be playing <laughs> games in the old folks' home. Then as you get older, you realize that you know arthritis will set in, and you won't have the mental capacity to play games like you were in your twenties. Yeah. Um. It then becomes a question of. Okay, I have all these games. What am I going to do with them? Like, I'm not going to stop playing games, but I also know I'm not going to play with the same fervor I had. So, what's next? And the last component is they won't stop making them. In fact, they're making them in a larger, a quicker rate than we ever did. So, as you get older, maybe you stop buying as much as you were when you were younger. Buy less, consume less, but play as much as you still can to the capacity that your life can handle. Yeah, to make yourself, for, for it to be happy. And as it stands now, like I have a stupid number of games, like ridiculous mm-hmm. amount. And I look at them not like this massive burden that I'll never knock out so much as to say, you know, if I can tell myself, don't buy this new game this week, just play something you already yeah. got, turn to the library. Which, what are you going to pull off the shelf today? Play that. Experience that. Have fun with that. That to me is its own personal joy. Mm. And I like it. Now, will the hardware manage to keep up? That's see, that's 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 a, that's a question for another episode. Pernell. Yes, it is. That's a can of worms. But if you have a game suggestion for Pernell that he <laughs> should be playing, um, or a track suggestion, or a topic suggestion for the show, please send us an email: rhythmandpixels at hotmail And if you would like to know more about the show and have a full track listing from this episode, all of our episodes, and access to all of our episodes, including. Uh, Robin Purnell the early years uh, go to the website what would you do at rhythmandpixels.com <laughs> I like that um, so go there to get all of that information and we also have a discord server and that link is at the top of the website um, click that and there's lots of people hanging out talking sharing music sharing memes it's um, having fun. It's, a, it's actually a good place now. It, it didn't used to be. It used to be a quiet place. <laughs> it used to be a, a desolate wasteland. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't much happening. No, it's not happening there, which is really nice. So go check that out. You can also check us out on uh, Twitter and Facebook and Instagram. It is uh, Rhythm and Pixels, all one word. Um, check us out on YouTube, youtube.com slash Rhythm and Pixels. All of our episodes are uploaded there. We also have a 24-7 radio station playing 8-bit and 16-bit classics. I had the power go out today because we were working on the electricity. So it's off right now, but it will be back online shortly by the time you listen to this episode, probably. Um, and if you'd like to support the show, you can go to rhythmandpixels.com slash merch, M-E-C-R-H. And we have t-shirts that you can buy um, related to the show, related to video game music, related to the video game sound teams. You can get a Mega Drive shirt. You can get a Falcom sound team t-shirt. Yeah, I don't have Zuntada, but you can get a Konami Kukahea Club, an SNK sound team. Um, and those are going to be part of our um, the subject of an episode coming up real soon and actually i i've come to really appreciate and enjoy wearing these sound t-shirts because for as much love as we talk about vgm music 
we don't have you know Jun Fukuda t-shirts and we don't have Akira Yamaoka t-shirts. Oh, but we, we, we can will. at least we will. I'm gonna make a jersey. Are you serious? Like number number. Oh, eight. Yamaoka thirteen. <laughs> Yamaoka thirteen. That would be awesome. No, actually. Not, actually, I just came up with that, but I think it's a good idea. If, if I can, if I can swing that, um, like have a sports jersey for like um, uh, Yoko Shimomura. But then the challenge would be like Shimomura number twenty-five. <laughs> that would be great. Yeah. Um, so, you, so you can you can support us that way. You can also support us by going to Patreon, Patreon.com/slash Rhythm and Pixels. Um, at all levels of Patreonage, you get access to a exclusive um, prequel episode every week. You get access to a monthly live stream episode, which is going to happen uh, next week, um, which is where we just record the episode live in front of our uh, Patreon audience. Live studio audience. And then at the higher um, uh, uh, levels, you get cool stuff like stickers. There are mugs with a, with a logo on it. There's a specialty t-shirts that aren't going to be available at the website. Um, and you get access to cool stuff on the radio station. And at the highest levels of our Patreon membership, we thank you at the end of every episode. Uh, starting with Frankly Zappa, thank you very, very much for your support and your kind words and everything. Awesome, um, Jim. Great guy. And also a brand new member, Kristen. Thank you very, very much for um, supporting our show and joining our Patreon. I hope you enjoy all of the extra goodies that we're doing. Um, we also want to thank Mike Myers, Ulf Pearson, Vashon8060, Andreas Milberg, Brian Pitt, Cameron Worma, Carlos, Kung Fu Carlito of the Heroes 3 podcast, Chris Wisner, aka Musashi219, aka Wise Guy, aka $20. Um, <laughs> missing, I forget. Uh, 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 Christopher Senstrom, Davy Cakes, David Taylor, Harold Howard, Wicked Sephiroth, Justin Schneider from XVGM Radio, a VGM podcast that he hosts with Mike. Um, Michael Bridgewater, not Mike from XPGM Radio. Michael Bridgewater, aka Mebri64, from the Forever Sound Version podcast, and also an amazing, amazing demo scene uh, musician. Um, we also want to thank also a brand new, another brand new uh, Patreon member, Rage Cage. Rage Cage, you can call me Rage. You can call me Cage. Or Rage AKJ, which I like to say. <laughs> uh, thank Reinhardt Zelkova, Sleepy S'more, Steve Miller, Taco, The Autistic Gamer 89, and finally Ed Wilson of the VG Embassy, who's got a new episode that came out that I'm really excited to listen to while I am driving to Pittsburgh. So It'll be a good time. Nice long drive. Listen to Mr. Ed's voice. Coming out my car radio. We gotta get him back on the show again too. I haven't spoken to Ed in so long. Yeah, yeah. I feel like the pandemic, even though like we are, we already live like so far apart. The pandemic pushed it even further away. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah, we we'll, we gotta get back in touch with you guys. Um, but yeah, so next week is uh, your summer game challenge. What have you been up to? Um, I'm really interested to hear. I'm looking what forward got. to it because yeah. I, I, I say it enough. I'll just say it again. I really love hearing what listeners are playing. I love hearing what their what your experiences are like. It's motivating. It's motivating, yeah. and it's just it's just cool. Like I like hearing when people say, "Man, this boss gave me so much trouble. I tried, and it's a bam, you know, like just I like sh- it's like you know what it boils down to. It's sharing stories around the campfire, but with video games. Yeah, it is kind of like that. Yeah, sharing like um, um, what you experienced. Yeah, which I really enjoy. So yeah, that that's going to be an exciting episode. Um, uh, the, the live episodes are always so much fun. So that'll be recorded uh, next Thursday evening. So thank you everyone for listening to this episode, and we'll see you next week on Rhythm and Pixels. My name is Rob Nichols, and I'm Pernell. Have a good night or day and remember, or morning, you know, whenever you're listening to. Have this. a good period of the day. Have a good have or a, evening. Have a good good. 
get a good tunes. And remember, rewind back five or so minutes to hear the end. Remember, choose your own adventure, kids. <laughs> <laughs>